this is Annie, and you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we are once again joined by guest co-host Miranda. Thanks for joining us, Miranda. Yes, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, you might recognize Miranda from our episode all around consent and no meaning no the first time. But when we were (laughs) first talking about ideas that you were interested in doing, you pitched an episode about Ariana Grande. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) And you said, we need to do it soon because it's timely. And I, as I've said on the show before, I don't know much about Ariana Grande. She has come up on this show a lot. Um, So I was like, timely? Okay. (laughs) We better get on it. Uh, Yeah, as I mentioned before, I'm pretty much out of the loop when it comes to Ariana Grande. But my phone is determined to fix that. I swear, every day. I get an update, a news update. Ariana Grande does this. Oh, yeah. She's been she's been all up in the news lately. Yeah. Yeah. It seems so. It seems so. Um, but to you, this is one of the reasons you're here. <laughs> because you, you have a pretty decent amount of Ariana Grande knowledge. <laughs> At this point, I'm like stuffed to the brim. <laughs> I know so much about her. And I'm not, I'm just like, okay, how did we get here? But we're here. We are here. And we're not just talking about like, Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to touch on other things, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, there is some controversy about her thank you next video that I wanted to talk about because it had a big impact on me, which is why I was so vocal about wanting to talk about Ariana Grande. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm always down to learn more about pop culture. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about that this controversy specifically mm-hmm. is wokeness. Yes. Yes. So we thought we would, as always, it's good to start with the definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, finding a definition is hard to find. And I think after we go into some of the history, that will become clear why. But from Urban Dictionary, quote, being woke means being aware, knowing what's going on in the community. And it started as a term used primarily among the black activist community on social media. Nowadays, it has been largely appropriated by white uh, mainstream internet culture and is often used as a joke or to poke fun at wokeness. It has fractured into multiple meanings, and a lot of them conflict directly with each other. Yes. Yeah. You see it a lot on Twitter and, you know, Facebook and lots of social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so, like, a quick rundown, quick history. Mm -hmm. The generally accepted first usage of woke with this definition came from a song from 2008 called Master Teacher by Erica Badu, and it also had Bilal and Georgia Ann Muldrow, basically singing about um, a future where she dreams of very kind of a much better future, but knows that it will probably never happen. And at the time, there was a lot of confusion around what she meant by woke. You can go back on the internet, and there's all this, like, Yahoo answers, what did it mean? Trying to dissect to get to the bottom of it, especially among white people, (laughs) confusion. Uh, Two years later, in 2010, you might have seen Stay Woke on Twitter, but generally it referred to actually trying to stay awake (laughs) when you were tired. (laughs) By 2011, people had a more nuanced understanding of the line, I stay woke from Master Teacher. Again, Yahoo Answers, you can find it. It's kind of funny now. And... 
2012 with the death of Trayvon Martin and his killer Andrew Zimmerman found not guilty, and the Russian rock group Pussy Riot being threatened with jail time for their queer sexual protest performance. Erica Badu came out in solidarity with the band on Twitter with this tweet, Truth requires no belief. Stay woke. Watch closely. Hashtag free pussy riot. And that's kind of when stay woke in the sense we use it now started to become more common on social media, especially when expressing outrage around Andrew Zimmerman's lack of punishment or other things like that, because unfortunately, there are a lot of things. Um, Around 2014, we see the memeing and co-opting of stay woke. It was applied to all sorts of things. And worth noting, the hashtag Black Lives Matter, which was often a counterpart or used at the same time with the hashtag Stay Woke, was not widely adopted. And instead, around this time is when we start to see the rise of All Lives Matter, that hashtag. BuzzFeed helped popularize Woke in 2015 with the article, Can We Talk About How Woke Matt McGorry Was in 2015? Discussing the sympathy of the white heterosis actor... On the TV show, How to Get Away with Murder Towards Gender and Racial Inequality. And then uh, MTV in 2016 uh, labeled woke on fleek oh, in goodness. teenage slang. Yes. Oh, goodness, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then soon after, Stay Woke became sort of a joke on Twitter. People would use it, I don't know, for, for pretty much anything. Like, my my leggings don't fit. Stay woke. Uh, like, anything. Yeah. And then from there, its usage really fractured. And it's a way to criticize typically white people who think they are woke or to make fun of the idea of wokeness altogether, which is sort of tragic that this thing that was really part of the black activist social community got appropriated, and now it's really diluted and also just means directly conflicting things. Yeah, and and also it's like, you know, trying to be more aware like at first it was like hey this is like this specifically what it means trying to be more aware and like I mean as as time has gone on especially since the presidency um you know people are trying to be more aware um so it's like how now do you define that and in what space you know without using words like this (laughs) right um and I a couple years ago I was covering Afropunk which if you don't know what that is it's a music festival that celebrates all things blackness, and also has these panels about activism and social issues. And you can hear uh, Bridget on Afropunk Solutions Sessions, that podcast. And one of the things that came up a lot when we were doing person-on-the-street interviews or just interviewing (laughs) random people who walked by was this annoyance at how the term woke was used. And most people I spoke with um, said that you are never woke. A lot of people, they, they express this thing where it's like something you always strive for but since we're all human, we all have so much to learn. You are never truly woke. You're always kind of working towards it. And that's what woke is. <laughs> if that makes sense. I actually think that makes more sense because um, I know someone who's trying to be better. You know, I'm never going to be there. And if you ever think you're there, you're most likely not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of a, a, a brief history of the term. And it relates to... Ariana Grande. <laughs> I have told so many people I'm doing this, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, eh, you'll see, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, and we're going to 
I mean, it's about Ariana Grande. It is about Ariana Grande, but it's about a, a think piece that was done on her Thank You Next video. But it, it encompasses this idea of being woke, but also being too woke, quotation marks. Right. And one of the reasons uh, you wanted to do this, if I recall, is because the the music video, you went on a bit of a... Tangent, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen the music video. Have you watched it yet? Okay, no. All right, <laughs> it's okay. So I... Um, I really like music videos in general. I will, like, spend a night at home watching music videos, drinking wine. I just, it's something I enjoy doing. Hey. Even if I don't like the artist of it, if the, you know, music video is entertaining, I'm like, okay, cool. So I went on an Ariana Grande kick. I've never really listened to her music. It's not that I don't know she's talented, but I'm more of a Selena Gomez kind of person. And I think you're normally one or the other. Oh, really? Yeah, that tends to be how I've seen it separate. Um, Yeah. So I'm more Selena Gomez as far as, like, you know, her music, but um, Ariana Grande. Anyways, I went down an Ariana Grande music video hole and to the point where I even, like, did a little video trying to mimic something she was doing. Totally failed. The baby gate fell on me, but it was <laughs> it was totally fine. I got to see it. It was pretty epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had, just, I had just gotten into her because of the music videos, and then this music video came out, and then this think piece came out, and it was this huge controversy blow up, and I just... I got lost in a lot of feels being very unsure of what was going on, which is why I initially brought this up. But before we get too far into that, I do want to be clear. I know that there's a lot going on with Ariana Grande right now. Yes. Between her Seven Rings music video and taking things from other artists. There's a lot of appropriation between that. The music video, Seven Rings itself, her black scent being called out for that. People are saying she's doing digital blackface, which I'll talk about a bit more about later. And then also her uh, tattoo fiasco, where she tried to get seven rings in Japanese on her hand. And if you take the characters separately, it does say one says seven and one says, like, rings and stuff. Right. But the way that she put them together, it said, like, small charcoal charcoal grill. grill. (laughs) Hey, small charcoal grills are nice. (laughs) And then she tried to fix it, and then it said, like, small charcoal grill in a finger or something. I'm not sure. I think it said... Seven fingers. Yeah. Which, closer. I mean, you need seven fingers if you're going to wear seven rings. Well, no, you don't at all. (laughs) I don't wear much jewelry. I don't either. It's okay. And then she's also getting sued right now, too, for another music video, her God is a Woman music video. Supposedly, um, or allegedly, she it's like a federal copyright infringement. There's a scene in the video where uh, this artist is saying that it's like, almost exactly like something he painted that was copyrighted back in, like, 1999-2000. So she's just kind of getting hit left and right um, with appropriating culture and things not being her own. And, yeah, she's not doing so hot. And yet, and yet, and yet. She is, all my phone wants to alert me about <laughs> news-wise. <laughs> she's gotten really popular as of late. She has. But, yes, but we're going to talk about Thank You Next. So... I know you said you hadn't seen it, but Thank You Next is an homage to 90s pop culture, Mean Girls, Bring It On, Legally Blonde, and there's even a little bit of 13 going on 30. It was very, like, short short little clips. took me a second, but I was like, oh, yeah, that's what's going on. Everyone was very excited. One, they're excited about the song because she's basically saying thank you to all my exes, and she calls them by name and all the things she learned from them, but, you know, moving on. And Mm -hmm. she and her now ex-fiance recently split last year. Yeah, Yeah, last year. Yeah, Pete Davidson, and he's even included in that. But she says her actual name, but it's supposed to be like this 
heartfelt, uplifting song, but everyone was super stoked because of the Mean Girls mainly. That was like the main theme through all of it. And then the other stuff was like interspersed. But it was really great because they even like pulled like some of the original like um, actors and actresses from these movies and they had like a whole bunch of cameos and I don't know. It was a lot of fun. And if you grew up and you watched those and you love those movies, like you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So I remember watching it and being like, this is great. Didn't really love the song. No offense. But I love the music video. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really funny because, I mean, it's not funny, I suppose. I haven't seen any of those movies. Not a single one. So I probably would have watched it and been like, whoa, something's happening here that I am not picking up. I would recognize Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, But I remember when that music video first came out, it was around the time that the Avengers trailer came out. (laughs) And people were, I I had to look it up because everybody on Twitter was doing like, the first one taught me this, the second one taught me this, but with Avengers. And I had no idea what was happening. (laughs) I did not know that happened. (laughs) It did, and I was very confused. Uh, But I I figured it out. I'm proud of you. Thank you, Miranda. But this just about brings us to the controversy that we want to talk about. But first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, Miranda, tell us about this controversy. Okay. So, I follow a trans woman on Instagram. And she is huge in the advocacy world. Um, She does a lot of tours and does a lot of speeches, but she also writes for a lot of publications, including the LGBTQ publication and two, the the online one. So I ran across an article um, about this music video that she did, and it was a think piece titled, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next music video is surprisingly anti-queer. Now... We're not going to say the author's name, and we'll explain why later. Um, and also that original article has also been taken down, which we'll talk about a little later. But I want to go into the article or the think piece itself first. It really threw me off when I ran across this piece because as someone who's constantly trying to learn and be a better ally and, like, just be more conscious of, like, you know, everything around me, when I saw that and read the article compared to what I had seen, I was like, did I completely miss the point? And it really made me check myself. I was like, am I, like it really threw me through loop. I was like, am I so blind like that I didn't catch any of this? Right. Um, it turns out that's not the case. But we'll get into what this author was saying from this music video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was which a, was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really had my, you know, me thinking. So when the author said anti-queer, one of the things, there's actually a few different uh, examples, but one of them is queer antagonism. If you don't know about the, a newer artist, his name's Troy Sivan. Uh, he's openly gay. He's really popular for his song Bloom, um, does a few other things. But yeah, he's really great. He's awesome. And so Ariana and, Ariana and him have done a couple music videos together. So he was in this one, and there's a scene where she pushes him into the locker and, and like, just, like, walks by and just shoves him to the locker, and he just, like, has this look on his face. And the author interpreted this as saying that queer people are glad to be disrespected by someone like Ariana because it means they are getting attention even if it's negative attention. 
she also had queer phobia in there. At the beginning, there's another scene where um, Troy is, when he says, like, Ariana is a lesbian now and dating some chick called Aubrey. It's f***ing sick. And the author says this is meant to be in a derisive way. And she even says, like, in the article itself, she said, Ariana is so offended at the very thought of having a woman as a lover, she even addressed it at the very beginning of her music video. And then later on in the music video, <laughs> there's, like, so much in, like, four minutes. I don't even know. But right. later in the music video, there's another scene that's interpret- that the author interprets as anti-lesbian uh, where Jennifer Coolidge— Okay, now we're moving on to Legally Blonde, by the way. Okay. Okay. So Jennifer Coolidge, they're in the uh, beauty parlor, and she asks Ariana, have you ever gone out with someone that had no teeth at all? And the author argues that Ariana smirks while saying no— and that this is meant to insinuate they're talking about penises and, like, it's supposed to be, like, white feminism, like, supporting her, like, heteronormative, like, ways. Very strange. I've never heard anyone reference teeth with penis, but I was like, okay. Huh. Um, yeah, and and so the author also, you know, interprets this as a scene makes fun, like, queer woman, the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in that same scene a little later on, they do a bend and snap you know the bend and snap? I know the okay. bend and snap. <laughs> so they do their own little thing to it. And supposedly in this, like, not even a minute long, the author says, like, queer people of color are used as props here. Um, and she asserts that at the beginning of the scene, you see, like, what looks like queer gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that when they get into the bend and snap part of the beauty parlor scene, that they disappear. And that supposedly only leaves presumably straight women to dance. Now, it's not just anti-queer, but the author also says there's trans misogyny in this music video. Um, with about 17, 16, 17 seconds in, one of Ariana's backup dancers, Scott Nicholson, he's dressed in a wig and appears to be portraying a trans woman. And he's, like, talking about Ariana as if she's Regina George from, like, Mean Girls. Like, oh, my goodness, you know. It's very short, very quick, over in a couple seconds. And then at the very end of the music video, Chris Jenner, who's supposed to be Regina George's mom, she... <laughs> She stumbles out of, like, uh, the, like they're at their daughters or at the mean girl scene of um, in the auditorium. And she stumbles out of the seats and with, like, her video camera. And she's like, thank you, next bitch. And it's, like, hilarious. But anyways, <laughs> um, but the author says that this is supposed to be a dig at Caitlyn Jenner, Chris's ex. And then the last thing that I want to touch on is blackface. So at 47 seconds in, there's a scene of Ariana writing in her burn book. She definitely has a very dark tan. She's much darker than usual. Um, the author accuses Ariana of blackface throughout the video, noting Ariana's skin varies in shades, scene to scene, in a horrifying transformation, highlighting how little she cares about communities of color. Now, again, as I said at the beginning, as someone who's been working trying to educate myself, I was super thrown off because, like, some of the things the author was saying, I was like, okay, and then some of it was just, I was like, I don't see that. Like, am I missing it? So it really. I don't know. It it made me check myself, and I got really uncomfortable with it. But like I said, it turns out I did not miss the point. Uh, So I started kind of following the trend, like reading the comments, reading everything that was happening, and people were furious. They were like, I have never seen someone reach. Like, the the term was reach so far. People were like, is this satire? Is this supposed to be real? Like, how did you print this? Very confused and upset. They were just like, no, this is this is like such a reach. And it made me feel a little better. I was like, okay. So I, you know, right. I'm not completely off the beaten path here. I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. But even like Troyce Vaughn tweeted about it saying, this literally can't be real. I'm scream. 
Not sure what he meant by I'm screen, but okay. <laughs> um, Tatiana of RuPaul's Drag Race tweeted saying, I'm sorry, but this is the farthest reaching article I've read in my whole entire life. Ooh. Ooh. So it was not, yeah. It not was, well received. It was not well received. Um, there was actually so much blowback. The editor-in-chief responded personally by apologizing for even letting this piece, like, make it online. Um, and then saying that they're going to... They're releasing another think piece in response to this think piece. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, the follow-up think piece. Sorry if this gets confusing. <laughs> the think piece to the think the piece. The think piece to the think piece uh-huh. um, was written by Clarkisha Kent, and it's titled, There is Such Thing as Too Woke, a Rebuttal to That Ariana Think Piece. And I really appreciated the title itself that she th- said that it was too woke. She doesn't say that the arguments are wrong, but she does... Basically, like, she puts things into context. Some of the things she did were like, were like that was just way out in left field. Mm-hmm. But Kent's piece focuses mainly on proving that the first article was a huge miss because of lack of context and evidence. She does say, though, that the supposed dig at Caitlyn Jenner, she does say it's quite libelous and points out that that was Ariana's idea. So that was, you know, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everyone was like, how is this at all, like, Right. To your ex. Okay, so we're going to go back through some of the points I initially said and say what this author said in response to them. So as far as it being anti-queer, the interaction again where Savan gets shoved into a locker, uh, Kent argues that the first author's assertion that queer people at large are glad to be disrespected, again, again in quotation marks, is bold and couldn't be farther from the truth. She points out the obvious. Most of us don't find it enjoyable to be disrespected. No, no. <laughs> I, I very much don't enjoy it, in fact. Yeah, and like even if it's like from someone who, I don't know, I look up to or whatever, I still know. Yeah, that That's, would make me not want to look up to them yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, but she also uh, says what most of us are thinking is like, how does that? How does one then take that microcosm of a scene and apply it to every queer person ever? And it's like two seconds, and it's like it's supposed to be everybody. And I was like, I don't. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. As for uh, the previous author saying Savant's sick comment is derisive, Kent argues the author doesn't fully understand how slang works. Oof. Which is, yeah, I mean, I think at some point most of us has used sick as like something being cool. Yeah. I know I've used it personally. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Our producer definitely. Yeah. Give us a big <laughs> thumbs up. Um, and plus, later on in the song, if you listen to it fully, Ariana elaborates that she's in a relationship with Ari, a.k.a. herself. So the author, like, Kent doesn't say this, but as far as I'm concerned, like, kind of inserting myself a little bit here, I took it as, like, it's supposed to be a joke. Like, he said it wrong. Like, oh, like, she's in a relationship with a lesbian, like, Aubrey, but it's like, no, she's in a relationship with herself, Ari. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was like, okay. The whole T thing to imply that she's making fun of people who have no penises, uh, Kent says that this is combative reading. Like, the way that the original author read into it was just so off the map. And, again, I've never heard anyone use teeth as far as implying penises. So I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's a little strange. Because normally there's that horror movie where vagina has teeth, but not— Is it Slither? Vagina dentata. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Fun side note, that was the, one of the first episodes I pitched when I came on as a host, and I have the outline ready to go, but no one wants to talk about it with me. Anyway. Uh, well, we can just insert it in here. Like, let's just do a little side note. Yeah. <laughs> this takes a turn. It's like a podcast within a podcast. You uh, thought you were listening to an episode about Ariana Grande, yeah, but, but really, really. This is how we bring you in. <laughs> as for using queer people of color as props— you don't actually have to read what Kent says to this, um, but it is demonstrably false. If you actually watch the music video, you can see this is not true. The same visibly queer people who were there at the beginning of the beauty salon scene are there for the bend and snaps scene. But Kent does go on to break down the previous author's sentence, the queer men disappear from the beauty parlor, only leaving presumably straight women to dance. Kent says she was grateful that presumably was used here because it shows how presumptuous the author is. Uh, Kent asserts this line implies queer women are of no importance and that all women in the scene are straight, which I hope we all know by now that you can't tell a person's sexual orientation by the way they look. Nope. So, yeah, the, the initial author of the first think piece was definitely kind of leading. Right. And that was very, very off. But again, if you actually watch the music video, very wrong. <laughs> there, I've gone back and rewatched this music video multiple times, not only for like the research, but also just like checking. Sure, I hope that all the people listening to this, uh, like, do you watch? Just <laughs> have this, and you know, press play, dissect the scene. Yeah, to this like, <laughs> I think that could be fun. But I have a, I'm a very big nerd. Make so. it a drinking <laughs> game. I don't know. Ooh, now that okay, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then moving on into the trans misogyny, um, as we already talked about earlier, the whole Christian are yelling, thank you, next bitch, was actually Ariana's idea. Um, there's nothing to suggest or link it back to Chris's ex, Caitlin. As for the backup dancer dressed as a woman, Kent writes she initially read this as Nicholson's character aiming to be just like Ariana, because again, Ariana's supposed to be playing Regina George, right. right? Who, if you watch Mean Girls, everyone wants to be Regina George and like just is like, oh, just being in her presence. Um, but she does, Kent does follow up by adding after rewatching the video, she is unsure because she is not a trans woman, so she would be out of her lane to dissect this. Um, Kent isn't saying the point is wrong, but that it suffers from lack of elaboration and exploration. And considering I'm not a trans woman either, I also cannot make a claim on it. Um, I did have the same initial thought that Kent did, um, mm-hmm. but again, I don't know, so I can't say anything on that either. But I do agree with Kent, though, as far as, like, it does suffer from a little bit of lack of elaboration and exploration. It was initially tossed in the original article. Right. And a lot of this stuff from reading this, uh, Kent's piece, it sounds like context was missing. A lot of context. And Kent does make a point. I mean, we're talking about, like, some of the biggest issues, but there's—she does bring up, like, the context of the videos themselves, like— the initial the movies, movies themselves, right. like, that the initial author maybe didn't understand where, like, the homage was, like, coming from. Like, the movies themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they were in the 90s. They were white, <laughs> right. white movies. Other than Bring It On, there's, like, no lead black or brown person in them anywhere, really. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't seen Bring It On, but I feel like I've read a lot of critiques that it is not a good portrayal. No, no, of, no. Of black people. So. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like. A lot of that was missing. Mm-hmm. It was, definitely. And then coming down to the blackface, you know, again, Kent doesn't say the original author's point of RNA's oddly darker skin tone as blackface is wrong. 
She said it flops because the author, who isn't black, by the way, doesn't have the range to argue back her point or to argue or back up her point. Um, Kent writes, this is aggravated by the fact that there's no comparative analysis done between Grande and other white women in pop music. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's just like, oh, she's just doing this blackface and leaves it at that. Mm -hmm. Um, Kent uses a more recently named phenomenon of digital blackface to to support her argument. So Lauren Michelle Jackson uh, did an article for Teen Vogue, and she defined digital blackface as inhabiting black persona using technology to co-op a perceived cachet or black cool. Basically, it's white people like, okay, so I say GIF because I refuse to get into the argument of GIFs or GIFs. So I just or say GIFs. Or GIFs. Okay, we'll go with GIFs. I have not heard that one. It is from a PBS Idea Channel, now <laughs> defunct YouTube series, but I used to like it quite a bit. Okay, well... Jive for life. Okay, we'll do Jive. I just say G-I-F because... That's smart. <laughs> I'm just like, not going to do this. I thought it was like an acronym. I was getting ready to learn. Oh, like, really? What's yeah. G-I-F? No, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, GIFs or GIFs, whatever your preference is. Um, but basically, how we use them to express ourselves on the internet... Um, but how a lot of us, especially white people, use mainly women of color to mm. express ourselves, like when we use GIFs or GIFs, GIFs, whatever. Um, and so it is a term of, like, it's digital blackface. Like, it's she wasn't saying that you can't use them, but, like, you need to be conscious, like, because, like, that's what's being put out there. Mm-hmm. And, like, it basically it's another form of appropriation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, and in this case, though, Kent also says that the way that Ariana is using it, um, how some people use it in like Instagram and stuff, is using blackness as being exotic. Right. Yeah. Or that whole ethnically the ambiguous thing. Ethnically ambiguous, yeah, to bring in, you know, other people and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, since I'm not black, I also can't say anything on this, can't make any claims, but. Um, you know, I did think it was really important that Kent, you know, wasn't like dismissing s- dismissing certain ideas, just saying that there wasn't context and there wasn't enough behind it. Right. And a lot of people were like me where we were thankful for Kent's piece. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was really well written and well thought out. And um, kind of going off what you were saying, a lot of the things she she kind of pointed out, it was more... I'm not saying this is wrong. It just wasn't well argued. It yeah. wasn't. It didn't have the the stuff to back it up, um, which is good. Uh, very thoughtful. She used the term parroting. The mm-hmm. the initial author did a lot of parroting, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And speaking of the initial author, that about brings us to talk about that. But first, we're going to stop for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, could you tell us a little bit about the author of this, the original piece? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, as I said before, you cannot find the original article. Um, And as I said before, uh, the author's name—actually, I didn't say this, but the author's name was initially first removed from the article, and then the article itself came down. Okay. So, as— the original think piece, like, you know, it wasn't harmful, but it was poorly, poorly done. Or you could say it was harmful, you know. Um, there's another layer to it. Here's a trajectory to the original think piece and why the entire fiasco has ended the way it has. And not just as far as a rebuttal, but there's there's more to it. And this is also why I didn't want to use the author's name. Mm-hmm. Um, 
When the article was first published, the editor-in-chief not only apologized amid the backlash, but also removed the author's name due to a number of death threats. Yeah, yeah and, and just because, you know, you don't have to agree with someone at all, but death threats are definitely not the way to go. No. So, no, no, no. yeah, I just think that makes things worse, you know, just as a side note. Yeah, uh, and also just don't be that mean to people yeah. on social media. <laughs> Look, I had to go on a whole Pete Davidson thing earlier. <laughs> And it's related to this, and I, I'm just a big proponent of trying to be constructive criticism or generally nice, or don't say anything at all. Yeah, you can just, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's lots going on. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Intu's editor-in-chief also said the publication was doing an internal investigation into the author. Allegations had arisen amongst a controversy that Intu was not originally aware of, and neither was I until this happened. As of December 7th last year, the publication removed all content the author had written for the site and severed ties with her. Turns out the trans woman who wrote the initial think piece is an alleged rapist. I was just shocked. I was seeing it in the comments, and I thought, I mean, that the death threats maybe were that people didn't like what she initially said, but maybe it was also that. But then when I read what Into had to say, and then I read that not only had they removed the author's name, but all of her stuff, and then they've completely severed ties. I was like, oh my goodness. Now, the author still has, they've written for like, or she's written for HuffPost and Glamour, and and those sites, they still have her work up, but it's just specifically this one. But I have been following this one for a while now, both on Instagram, as I said, and reading other pieces she's done for publications. It was, I had a really, really hard time with this. Not just checking myself, like, did I completely miss it, but also finding out about the author because it's like, this is someone, as someone who's trying to educate myself, this is someone I looked up to, like, okay, you know, they're big in advocacy, they know what they're talking about, and why am I, I might not always um, agree with, with certain points, like, I really was learning a lot from them. And now to find out they are an alleged rapist, I was like, <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What do you do with that to some extent, right? Yeah. Like, I, I was just... And and after this happened, they they weren't on Instagram for a while. Their Twitter got shut down for a minute. Like, I mean, they just, they got off social media for a second, which I can understand. But I've, you know, I've read other, sta- like, so I've read the statements on the incident. I've read her accuser's statements, um, her statements, and other people have chimed in. I mean, it's, if you want to know, like, it's out there. Like, the, the both the accuser and, and the alleged rapist, like, they have, put their stuff out there on social media so you can find it. And I remember kind of going down this hole and then being like, I got to I gotta come back. Yeah. It was just a lot. But I don't think this is necessarily the place to break down what happened, but I will say it did make me think a bit harder about, well, one, the idea of being too woke because of the article itself. Like, just because this is someone I followed and, like, trusted and, like, you still have to, you still have to check in with yourself. Like, is this, does this sound realistic? Like, can you, can you back it up to other things? Or is this like kind of completely off the rails? Which just was, her piece was a bit, yeah. I mean, it was a total reach and it just did not fit in. And that kind of goes in with the idea of being too woke, Mm -hmm. which is why I liked uh, Kent's piece and that that was a title because it's like someone who's trying so hard when you're just completely missing the point. I mean, we have to be conscious of that. But also it really made me think about like, where and who am I getting my information from? You know, and I know, like, this isn't the case with everyone. And, like, this is, like, this is very sad that this is a, a thing. Um, this sucks. But it's, you know, it's not only, like, we're all trying to find, like, figure out lanes, being a better alley, like, learning about what's going on, being more socially aware. 
but at the same time, like some of those people and in, in some of those places, like it doesn't necessarily mean those are the right people or the places to look. And so like with like news media, they, you know, they teach you how to be media literate. Like if you're going to watch Fox, watch CNN, even though CNN is technically not the CNN is more moderate. Um, it's actually, I think, MSNBC. It's the liberal one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I'm learning it's the same even with like pop culture and like cultural culture media as well like you you know you do need to kind of have a few different outlets and check and do your research and know um i for one have decided i've had to set this person aside i can't i don't think i can look toward them anymore mm-hmm. i mean i'm not saying the things that they have said is wrong but like just because of allegations i was just like that's a lot and i know there are other places i can go find my information but it was really kind of a big shock like i had had a hard time for a couple of days about this yeah. Overall, just the whole everything that happened between the two articles and then everything that happened about the author. So yeah. that was a difficult one. Yeah. Um we've we've talked about it before on the show, but it's it feels like a personal betrayal when someone you looked up to, right or wrong, it feels like a personal betrayal. Um when someone you looked up to turns out to not be someone you should have been looking up to. Yeah. Or even Maybe it ju- it just makes you feel so uncertain about the things that you learned from them or that have become a part of you, and um, I and I think this is a sad state of affairs to be in. But I am now I live in fear. Like I don't like anybody. I'm I'll, I'm always ready for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, oh god, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> especially in the media. But it is good to to check in with yourself, like you said, and to make sure. You know where you're getting your information from. Yeah. And when you're forming your opinions, it's good to to take to take what you learn from other people and to make sure that it's tracking with you. And if it's not, why isn't mm-hmm. it? And then maybe you're wrong or maybe the other person's wrong or maybe no one's wrong. It's just different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely was a it was a big check for me. So yeah. it just it got me to thinking about all of these things. So I was just like, okay. So, and then I went down the rest of the Ariana Grande hole. <laughs> with yeah, all, all the other this stuff. from Ariana Grande. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Making us think. Making us think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think uh, this has been so, I feel like you could teach a class <laughs> on Ariana Grande, which is fantastic. <laughs> We should have like a sminty <laughs> like course. We're like, hey, Georgia State, you want to bring me in for a, a lesson? I got this. Hey, <laughs> I mean, maybe they should. Thanks so much for joining us, Miranda. Where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Knox, K-N-O-X underscore Hawkins. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Mermaid. It's probably the most clever thing I've ever done in my life. But nice. it's M-I-R-R-R underscore M-A-D-E. Yeah, um, very clever. And also, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you any other Ariana Grande news um, and other things. I won't put you in a box. Um, and in the meantime, listeners, you can always email us. Our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast and on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. 